Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everyone, Richard Crow here and welcome to On The Grid, a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000, TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more. Weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under. We'd love to have you involved as well. If you've got any questions about Antipodean racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the race talk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the Barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most, the voice of the Melbourne cricket ground as well, is Tony Shebecki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. A big show today, Supercars GM of Television and Content, Nathan Prendergast, joins us for a chat about the BP All-Star E-Series. Car enthusiast and former Sale of the Century host, Glenn Ridge, will chat about his new TV show, Garage 41, and Dale Rogers and Richard Crowell to chat about the week in sport. Firstly, though, the news, and we hear from the people that have made it. Scott McLaughlin continues to shine on the E-Series circuit, having won two of three races in the first round of the Supercar Sim Racing Series. The two-time champion has added a second to his win and a fourth in the IndyCar scene. McLaughlin crashed early in the race on the weekend at a virtual Michigan, his first time on an oval, and finished behind the winner and Penske teammate Simon Paginot. McLaughlin happy with the results. Hey all, uh, end of the race there. Uh, P2, first oval for the for the year for me um, in IndyCar. It was pretty fun. Uh, got, got rammed at the start and, and uh, rolled and it was crazy. Um, and then eventually uh, it became a strategy race after that. We started uh, way back in the field and, and just had to save as much fuel as we could and um, we managed to save a, a ton and, and then eventually got um, you know good on fuel to the end unlike some other people that had to make extra stops so worked out good and, and um, we managed to bring the snap on car and P2 so really happy um, and you know obviously put a lot of work in so thanks to Jonathan Dugard my engineer and also uh, TJ Majors for spotting me this week. He's been unreal and um, really, really helped me learn ovals and can't wait for the next one. Cheers. Meanwhile, Red Bull F1 racing driver Max Verstappen will join the BP Supercars All-Star E-Series, which according to GM of television and content at Supercars, Nathan Prendergast, is a great coup for the category. Yeah, we're very, very lucky to have Max and I can take zero credit for it. It's um, been handled by our commercial team in conjunction with Red Bull. Um, those guys managed to put that deal together. I mean, we're stoked. I mean, my understanding is Max didn't do the Formula One stuff and to come and play with us, we're, we're very, very lucky. Um, he's obviously got a fantastic relationship with Shane Van Gisbergen, who he called Pasta, Pasta Maldonado, which I think is quite <laughs> hilarious. Um, and those guys race online together and, and to have him um, is going to be amazing. And, and talking to a few guys that have competed with him, They've said he's going to go all right as well. So so I know a lot of the existing supercar drivers are finding this a challenge and apparently Max is, is up to speed already, which would be good. So I'd love to see him running around the front. As for who else to expect, well, we always had some names on our list. We always had a plan for some future wildcards to draw from the motorsport universe. So let's just say that since uh, Max's announcement, the phone has rung a couple of times and yeah, expect <laughs> Verstappen himself looking forward to the racing. So I'll be participating in the, the V8 supercars on, on Wednesday. Um, I'll drive with a, with a Holden, with the Red Bull team, and my mate Pastor. Um, yeah, I think we all know who that is. He's, uh, he's King Shunter. And uh, looking forward to, uh, to drive together and, and see what we can do against the other guys. Um, you know, there are a lot of, of good drivers in, in V8, so um, I'm definitely looking forward to race against against them. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can, we can be quick and uh, put on a good show. So see you guys there. 
Supercar Red Bull driver Shane Van Gisbergen says it'll be great to race an F1 driver on F1 tracks. All right, guys, you might have seen the news last night. Uh, our friend Mark Verstappen's joining us uh, tomorrow for the E-Series, which will be awesome. Looking forward to having him on board there. He's uh, We've raced a bit in the past, and it's been pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, Mark's, Mark's pretty quick. Our first race is at uh, Silverstone. Uh, I don't know if Jamie's joining us this week. I haven't heard from him yet. So Mark will slot in pretty good at, at Silverstone, which is fitting uh, as a number two driver. But, um, yeah, he calls me Pasta is his little nickname. Probably because I crash a lot, pretty fitting. But what he forgets is the second race is at Barcelona, which is where Pasta won. Tune in. In other news, Formula One is looking to begin its season in July or August, according to race director Michael Massey. He admitted that on Supercars sidetracked that the sport was hoping to do a start in July. The Austrian Grand Prix is scheduled to be held July 5th, followed by the British Grand Prix on July 15. Meanwhile, Supercar CEO Sean Seymour wasn't confident supercars could restart in Winton on the 5th to the 7th of June. And to finish, we pay tribute to Sir Sterling Moss, the British racing driver widely regarded as the greatest Formula One driver never to win a world championship. He's died at the age of 90. Amazing stats from Sterling Moss. No F1 driver has won as many races as Sterling Moss without taking the title. His F1 career ended in 1962 after an accident, but he kept racing in other forms of motorsport until 2011. And an act of sportsmanship denied Moss the 1958 title, but did earn him the respect of other drivers. A teammate at Mercedes, two Argentine five-time world champion, one Mangal Fangio, Sir Sterling won 16 Grand Prix in the 1950s and early 60s when the sport was at its deadliest and most daring. A teammate at Mercedes to Argentine five-time world champion Juan Manuel Fangio. Sir Sterling won 16 Grand Prix in the 1950s and early 60s when the sport was at its deadliest and most daring. Four times a championship runner-up and also third overall on three occasions. No other driver, as we said, has won as many races without taking the title. Sir Jackie Stewart paying tribute to the legend. Sterling Moss is an enormous loss to the world of motorsport. He was the most dynamic, the most charismatic racing driver I think that there's ever been. He walked like a racing driver, he talked like a racing driver, and he looked like a racing driver. And of course he never did win the World Championship only because he always wanted to drive a British car. And at that time the Italians and the Germans were all powerful. But the loss of Sterling Moss to the world of motorsport is a great, a great loss. And really, for me, he was my ultimate hero. He just did the right thing the right way and carried the sport and of Britain in a very majestic fashion. To Susie, I send my deepest sympathy. I went to see Sterling over the last two or three years on a regular basis. It's a terrible loss to the sport. And it always gives me great pleasure to say good day to Richard Crow from the racetalk.com. Hello, Crowsey. Hello, Shebex. The big show coming up this week. It's always the big Massive. show, but we're 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 diving into some interesting areas. We're going to talk the interesting world of TV production for online racing, yeah. which I reckon is going to be a really fascinating insight. Um, and one of my TV heroes, and a guy you've worked with for a long time, but one of my TV heroes from when I was a kid, Shebex watching him on the great sale of the century with the lovely Adriana Xenides. Mm. Um, let's go to the gift shop. Um, it was the showcase, wasn't it? Um, Glenn Ridge will be on the show a bit later on, which is terrific. So um, to talk about a brand new TV show on Australian motor racing and, and Australian motor racing. Uh, broad spectrum. And then we debrief all of the stuff that went on in a ridiculous E-series round last week. So looking forward to it, mate. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be a ripper show, and we'll debrief with Dale Rogers very shortly as well. But let's get straight into it. The general manager of television and content for Supercars is a man called Nathan Prendergast, and the man who's primarily responsible for the pictures that we saw last week, and he joins us on the line now for a chat. G'day, Nathan. How are you? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on board, mate. Uh, was there a little bit of a, a relief and a sigh of, thank God that's over on uh, last Wednesday? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, guys, it was um, it was a lot of relief, actually, that went went very well. We had a rehearsal on the Monday night prior, and uh, it, was a, it was a challenge, but it was the sort of rehearsal we had to have to discover all the things that we were doing incorrect and 
some of the pitfalls of, of doing this form of motorsport um, and then to deliver it on Wednesday the way we did. Uh, you know, no live broadcast is perfect, but, yes, I was very pleased with the result. I think the best outcome, Nath, was that it felt like watching a supercar round on Fox Sports. The commentary was was fantastic, professional. The racing was wild at times, entertaining at others. There was some really amusing, light-hearted moments, but it had that serious feel about it as well. So was that the approach you took into it? Was like, let's deliver this product that we're good at delivering week in, week out when we're racing for real? 100%. That was completely the idea here is is to find the balance between a proper broadcast and a, and a game. Um, you know, there was a lot of people that got out ahead of us and, and ran their own series. And whilst, you know, you looked at it, uh, and, and borrowed from it in a sense. I always had my own vision for what I wanted this to be. And in conjunction with all the broadcast experts that we have in the Supercars Media team and external people like Neil Crompton, et cetera, Jess Yates, Matt White, we, we, we just always wanted this to be a proper motorsport supercars broadcast that just happened to be virtual racing. And Nathan, the fact that you guys did some e-racing last year with just normal punters, not necessarily a full field of supercar drivers, did that give you a bit of a jump on getting ready for the last week? Look, it certainly did in an order of getting the right people around us and, and sort of learning um, some of the basics behind it. But in fairness, the commercial side of, of the supercars team worked on the e-series, but, but the, none of the television team worked on the Gfinity series. So we brought in a, a slightly different approach and, and went about it some way. But, yeah, look, you always learn from anything you do. Um, and it's, it's fair to say that there were some things that, that carried over and helped us get what was essentially sort of three months' worth of work together in three weeks. Um, but we did try to start with a bit of a clean slate. Uh, rated really well. You must be pleased with the reaction. It Top five and subscription TV, huge numbers on the internet, live stream and all that, you must be wrapped with the outcome broadly from that first week. Yeah, absolutely stoked with the outcome. You know, I had a figure in my head that I was happy if it got to and it well surpassed that. Um, You know, we had 158,000 people on Fox averaging 70,000. You know, as you mentioned, the stream numbers were huge. Um, Massive feedback from everyone because everyone saw it, you know, which is fantastic. We just hope that continues. Obviously, we've got a bit of a coup uh, for Wednesday night, which I think will add the numbers and give us a few more eyeballs as well. Yeah, let's talk about that. Of course, you've got uh, Red Bull F1 driver Max Verstappen who has signed on, and uh, we can only assume that this is hopefully, with the race, with the series called the All-Star Racing, we can only assume that this is hopefully the first of many additions to come over the next few weeks. Yeah, we're very, very lucky to have Max, and I can take zero credit for it. It's um, been handled by our commercial team in conjunction with Red Bull, um, those guys managed to put that deal together. I mean, we're stoked. I mean, my understanding is Max didn't do the Formula One stuff and to come and play with us, we're, we're very, very lucky. Um, he's obviously got a fantastic relationship with Shane Van Gisbergen, who we call Pasta, Pasta Maldonado, which I think is quite <laughs> hilarious. Um, and those guys race online together and, and to have him um, is going to be amazing. And, and talking to a few guys that have competed with him, They've said he's going to go all right as well. So so I know a lot of the existing supercar drivers are finding this a challenge and apparently Max is, is up to speed already, which would be good. So I'd love to see him running around the front. As for who else to expect, well, we always had some names on our list. We always had a plan for some future wildcards to draw from the motorsport universe. So let's just say that since uh, Max's announcement, the phone has rung a couple of times and you expect <laughs> to see some names coming. And it's a great opportunity, isn't it, Nate, for supercars? Because the the chance of getting Max in a real world supercar is impossible. I know he's in the passenger seat at the Grand Prix a couple of years ago, but this is a cool thing. The thing I loved about last week was seeing our cars race at Monza, which is just a pie in the sky kind of thing. And we go to Silverstone and Barcelona, more tracks in coming weeks. I know you love your NASCAR, and we get to see them on an oval in a couple of weeks' time. So it's it's opportunity for us, isn't it? Exactly. It's, it's just an amazing opportunity. I mean, think about how fortunate we are as a sport to have a platform that allows us to do this. Mm. You know, all the ball sports are essentially grounded um, and yet we can continue to compete. So we're really lucky that iRacing is such a powerful platform, you know, that it allows us to not only put our drivers into it to compete, but it's a strong enough and a powerful enough platform to, to drop a broadcast around. 
you know, all the amazing camera angles, the, the, the track coverage, the in-cars, the chopper views, the blimp views, you know, that's all generated out of, out of the, um, I don't like to call it a game, out of the, the, the platform. Um, so, you know, we are, we're super fortunate. And to your point, being able to have these awesome Zebby Commodores and Mustangs on, on these international circuits is fantastic. So, Nathan, just fill us in with the actual broadcast and how it happens. We know that when you go to a, a normal racing circuit, you've got 20, 30, 40 cameras around the circuit. They all plug into a desk and there's a director there who pushes the buttons and all the, everything goes to air. Is that the same sort of thing with iRacing? Do you get a whole lot of different feeds from a computer and then you just select which one you want? Without trying to give it away too much, it's... it's um we rely on the strength of the iRacing platform with two observation computers. Um, we go about it with a similar philosophy on what a live director will do about who he wants to see, but instead of calling cameras, he calls the cars. So the iRacing platform has a number of different camera cut angles built into it, plus we use a third-party software that overlays some of the camera plans from Formula One at the Formula One tracks and also some of our supercar camera plans when we're in Australia. And then we use the two machines to set up different battle packs or have an onboard camera on one side and then a race cut on the other side. And the director calls who he wants to see and cuts between the two machines to provide the race cut. And then on top of that, we get all the feeds in from the drivers at home. One of the things that I wanted to, to really make different about our coverage to others was to humanise it. I think it's important to constantly remind people that there are real people behind this platform driving these cars or calling it or providing adjudication so to be able to put boxes in of our drivers our commentators Craig Baird uh, as frequently as possible within reason gives people an eye it reminds people that there's actually real people behind this you're not just watching an animated you know movie and then further to that um, you know we uh, make sure we had the proper supercars broadcast graphics package that overlaid on it so when you looked at it you know, it cut and felt like the way we cut it onboards in, the way we choose cars and the graphics that you saw, it, it did feel like you're watching the real thing. Yeah. What, what was your first thought when you cut to David Reynolds and he's dressed as uh, Mario from Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> that, was, that was quite hilarious. I, I think, um, yeah, David adding a bit of colour is, is exactly what you expect from David. So, um, yeah, he, he got into his proper attire when it came to race time, but he just before the pre-race, he, uh, he liked to liven it up. But, but on that... No, the, the effort that these guys went to to dress up their simulator areas was awesome. The, the Penske guys had their really nicely presented banners. Lee Holdsworth had a TV screen with his sponsor logos rotating like we've seen in the dashes of these cars in the past. The, the effort was outstanding. Rick Kelly had Kramer in the background of his shot, which I thought was a nice touch. Like, yeah. There was just so much going on, and it, it really added another element to it that, as you said, we haven't seen in the IndyCar or F1 or NASCAR stuff. Yeah, it was, um, it was. It showed everyone's individual personality, didn't it? You know, you had uh, Todd Hazelwood brought in a complete iMac in, yes. and set it up behind beside his thing, and and uh, Chaz Mostert had the Woodstock bunker and yes. everything set up. So, um, yeah, look, we when we ran the her- rehearsal on on Monday, you know, there was a couple of camera angles that weren't that fantastic, and when we emailed the guys, just said, look, we'll we'll make the Zoom conference because we get all the video in in a similar fashion to how we're doing this interview right now. Um, and I opened up the conference early on the Wednesday and just, just messaged all the drivers and said, look, I'm available, let's look at your shots. And we just went through everyone, let's move this camera, you know, slide it there. Um, we did it during the day, though, so obviously when we're when we competing at night, something got a bit darker, which we're going to obviously work on and people are going to learn from it. But it was fantastic to see how much effort every driver, because it was them doing it. I mean, they didn't have their team behind them. They were in there moving stuff around yeah. and, it was really good that they got behind it and made such an effort. Nathan, every indication would say that the next uh, nine weeks of this E-Series is going to be as successful as week one and people are really getting into it. With that in mind, is there a thought process towards 2021 and how this may also blend into a normal racing season? Could we have racing basically nearly every week, either on track or off? Oh, look, I think it's important to remember that we will still run our traditional E-Series for our, our gaming experts, which will still happen at the end of this year. And, you know, that's a fantastic product in its own right. So so most definitely that's going to be a fixture in the Supercars calendar 
both this year and next year. Um, whether or not the all-star thing continues is, is to be seen and decided. Um, but I would like to think that, you know, we might see a few cameos maybe in, in the yeah. traditional championship. But we just need to see how busy everyone's here, what the future looks like. It's a little bit too hard to tell at this stage. But um, it's certainly been a worthwhile um, worthwhile exercise one round in. I think I agree with you, Nathan. I, I think the best praise that I've seen for it was just the number of comments on social media, friends of mine that are casual fans of supercars that don't work in it, aren't intrinsically linked to it like we all are, that watched it and said, I didn't quite know how much I needed those couple of hours of racing on a Wednesday night after four weeks away from the track. And it, it was such a good diversion. Um, you could switch off from the reality of the world for a few hours and just enjoy some motor racing presented as motor racing is. So I think that's the highest praise. And I look forward to your team and yourself winning a Logie for Best Sports broadcast once again for um, for the E-Series because I think that would be amazing. That would be quite hilarious. I think one of the best quotes that I read uh, was from a, uh, a proper newspaper journalist at one of the major publications uh, who said, it's not quite sport, but it'll do. Yes, yeah. and I think I think it was it was a good balance between you know proper competition and entertainment, and that's the key for us is to to make sure that you know we keep the racing clean. That whilst the monster tear up might have been entertaining, we want less of that and more side by side. But we keep changing it enough and keep making it entertaining enough that people want to tune in each week to see well, geez, what a supercar is going to do this time. Yep. And if you could please guarantee us another Rick Kelly accident. <laughs> That UFO spin on the roof was just amazing. Uh, the helicopter. The, the memes out of that have been extraordinary in the last week. It's social media gold. Brilliant. We, spoke, we spoke to Rick about the helicopter on sidetrack the other night, and he said he only just got out of the e-hospital. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nathan, thank you so much, mate, to you and your team for what you've uh, given us in week one. We look forward to the next nine weeks of the E-Series and then into some uh, fed income racing after that. Fantastic, yeah. As good as the um, BP Supercars All-Star E-Series is, um, I, like you, can't wait to get on track and see these things for real. But for now, we'll keep providing you as much um, virtual racing as we can. Nathan Bredegas joining us here on The Grid. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, Richard, there's a brand new TV show coming out around Australia. It's called Garage 41, and it's hosted by an old mate of ours as we say g'day to Glenn Ridge. Hello, Glenn. How are you, boys? Are you meaning old that I'm old or we've known each other for a long period of time? I just I'd want to clear this up early in the piece, if that's all right. I would prefer to say the latter. <laughs> good on you. Good to be with you and good to uh, good to catch up with you guys too. It is. Mate, it's been a long time since you've been on the TV screens, and this has been a dream project of yours for a very long time as well, a, a motoring show. Tell us all about it. Well, it's, a, it's a funny one. We did a, a show called The Car Show uh, for about six years for Channel 9, uh, about 2000 or 2001, I think it was. And uh, the whole reason there was I, I love cars, basically. And um, we did it for six or seven years and had a great time. And, and then just I kind of dropped out. But I'd always had this inkling to do something which was kind of a little bit different, but not a traditional. Every Australian motoring show you look at to a degree is looking at a car and doing a review on it. And uh, I'd kind of done that. So, And I, I used to watch the front bar and see what they'd done for the AFL. And I thought, God, why don't we try and do something like that for motoring? And uh, I got a couple of mates together, Mike Sinclair, who was the editor-in-chief of Car Sales and uh, has been around the, the motor game for a long time. And then a guy by the name of Dave Morley, and Morley is uh, another well-respected journo who's just a cranky old thing, really. And uh, yeah. we, we have a look at a couple of different scenarios. We look at some classic cars at, at Belton Garage and, um, you know, we're aligned with Tarmac Rallying, so we look at, at Targa as well. Um, Car sales, for example, have some great stories which we hook into as well. But but trying to have a look at a light side, lighthearted side of it rather than all the serious this is that was sort of thing. And uh, yeah, look, the first one this week. I'm looking forward to it. Glenn, your some may not know your significant motor racing background behind the scenes, administrating as well as uh, as a competitor. Just talk us through your experiences 
behind the scenes with the sport and, and also behind the steering wheel as well. Yeah, Richard, I, uh, as you know, we, we crossed paths a, a few times. Uh, we're involved with the Touring Car Masters uh, for a while there and uh, also the Porsche Carrera Cup. We, were, we dabbled in that for a, a while before there was a bit of an upheaval. And it, it was one of those things, Richard, that I'd been involved with you know, tarmac rowing since its inception. I was going to go down and do my 29th Targa this year. Um, but uh, that didn't eventuate. Sorry, my 28th target. Uh, I missed the first one, but I've done it. I've done every other one. I should get it right sooner or later, but <laughs> anyhow, hopefully I live long enough to do that. Um, but I'd always kind of uh, had friendships and, and people involved with the sport, not just behind the wheel. So that's why we got involved with uh, those particular ones. And, and I really enjoyed it. I had a great time, you know, and, and we as competitors sometimes don't appreciate what goes in behind the scenes and what's involved, you know, financially keeping things running and all of that sort of stuff. So it was a good opportunity for me to get in, involved in that and uh, I really enjoyed my time uh, doing it and uh, have, have an utmost respect, a newfound respect, I guess, Richard, for uh, the people who you don't see at a racetrack rather than the ones you do. Yeah, so true. Uh, 28 targets, Glenn, that's an amazing stat. Most memorable? Uh, look, everyone's memorable if you finish. Uh, and I was lucky. In fact, I've only not finished one. We set fire to the car, which caused a slight problem. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, look, it's, there, there are a whole heap of ones which come, come to mind. You know, there was, there was one year, and I forget the year one, Shebex, we, we did a track called Arrowsmith, which is the main road out of Strawn. You go Strawn, you, we climbed the Queenstown Hill, and then we hopped onto Arrowsmith, which is about a 59K stretch. And uh, this year we started it in sunshine. It then started to rain. Then it snowed in the middle. And then all of a sudden it started to rain and it was sunshine at a place called Derwent Bridge in the middle by the time we finished it. That was probably one of the hairiest rides I've ever had because uh, the snow was quite thick in the middle of it all. But Targa is one of those, and whether it's Targa Tasmania or, or the high country in Victoria and our Great Barrier Reef up in Queensland, I've just got some wonderful stretches of road. And uh, although I've done them so many times in Tasmania, I still love it when I, I get down there and, and give it a go. And in all honesty, some people go in there to win. I simply go in there to finish and have a good time. Ollie, my son, navigates with us. My, my daughters have navigated. A good mate of mine who was a far better drinker than he was navigator uh, did it for quite a few years with me. And uh, I, I enjoy it for the camaraderie as much as anything else. Glenn, as a motoring and motorsport fan like me, I get a buzz when I'm around some of the legends of our game and, and it's still amazing to talk to these guys and girls that have done so much. So I can imagine the legend that springs to mind when you talk Target Tasmania is Jim Richards. What's it like to be just even be in the same event as one of their all-time legends of motorsport in this part of the world? Jimmy's a, uh, an absolute gentleman, Richard, as, as we all know, and anyone who's met him. Uh, in fact, uh, sadly, Jimmy's not going to be competing. Uh, I think this coming year is his first year. Oh, he did the tour last year and that. Um, but, but Jimmy is just, as you see him, you know, he's an amazing driver. Uh, I can remember he passed me once. And when you're doing tarmac rolling and the years he was using some form of, of pace notes, I wasn't using any, and he... He shot past us, and when you're not using notes, sometimes you get a bit cheeky and you hang on the bumper of the car going in front because hopefully they know where they're going and you can read their tail lights and all that sort of thing. So Jimmy went past, and I thought, I'll, I'll hang on him for, uh, for a while and we should get a good time here. I reckon I stuck on his backside for two corners <laughs> and he was gone. <laughs> Just so smooth, so quick, uh, so humble. And, and just a ripper play, you know. And you, you'd see him walking up because in tarmac rallying in particular, there's a lot of standing around and waiting in between each of the stages sometimes. You know, there might be an incident or maybe everyone's here too soon. But Jimmy will be out of the car and he'll be talking to people and it could be someone in an EH Holden or it could be just a classic car or it could be a new Porsche. Of course, he had the alignment with Porsche. That he's just that sort of guy, Richard, and, and just a, an absolute pleasure and remembers names and has always got the time of the day for you, which I think is fabulous. Great.
Now, the new show is filmed out of the Dutton Garage and what an amazing place it is and some of the cars here are just out of this world and I know Richard's very much a, a Porsche man. Uh, in the first episode, Glenn, there's a, uh, a very rare Porsche that shows up sitting behind you for most of the uh, show. Well, there is. It's, uh, in fact, I didn't realise it was as, as rare as what it was, Shebex. It's a, a 1951 Porsche Porsche. I've been told by Morley I've got to pronounce the E. Yes, Unfortunately, correct. I keep dropping it. So uh, I'm, I'm slowly getting to say it right. 1951 Porsche 356 Australian delivered. It, uh, it's a beautiful machine. It really is. And I'd walk past and I thought, that's a nice car. But then when I found out a bit more about it, you think, wow, that's, that's quite an incredible car. And there are things like that we're trying to do with Garage 41. Uh, each week we feature one of the cars which are in Dutton Garage. Um, We've got one for coming up in a few weeks time, for example, a, uh, a, a Citroen. And here's a name you'll recall, I'm sure both of you, Jim Rediex. Uh, was, of course, one of the big uh, rally drivers and engineers and car preparers from the 1970s. Uh, he actually restored the Citroen. And it's just a beautiful car. So we, we get to have a look at those uh, during the show, which is, uh, is a real highlight. Tell me a little bit about your co-hosts. Um, fans of this program, those that listen to it, will know Mike Sinclair. He's been involved in TCR Australia through car sales for the last 12, 18 months, um, quite active in the sport. Dave Morley as a journo who's been around for a long time in motor and uh, some big publications like that. But what, what's the dynamic like with the three of you and, and how are you getting on? And I, I imagine having seen a, a sneak peek at the first episode, there'll be a bit of banter between the three of you as this show evolves and grows. Well, I think, yeah, Richard, I think you hit the nail on the head and that's what you've always got to be careful of when you do a, uh, a TV show or any form of show. You know, the first ones are always the feeling out. Uh, although all of us have worked together in different ways, Morley uh, worked with us on the car show and uh, Sinkers as well, and we've, we've been mates from a distance over a period of time. But part of what we're wanting to do is actually get the, the, the banter and the integration happening. And I was really thrilled from the first show that it, it kind of gelled pretty good. You know, we're, we're all very different people. You know, both of those guys are incredibly knowledgeable about the subject matter. Both have wicked sense of humour. You know, Morley, for example, his one-liners and that, uh, and his ability to deliver them so nonchalantly without even trying is almost scary. Um, but uh, it, it actually, all of us got on very well and uh, there was no jumping in on each other and we all had a place and I, I was really thrilled. And, and you're right, it will get better. I think the subject matter we're looking at and the way we go about doing things will evolve and uh, hopefully uh, the three of us can stick together for a while. It's it certainly, you know, you have a look at Top Gear and the, the boys, the three boys who were the originals there, that was a unique chemistry and I would never suggest that. Yeah, maybe we could get close to it. But, you know, that sort of chemistry is very, very rare. Um, hopefully we can get something near that. But I think while we're genuine mates who are talking about a subject that we love, uh, being free of any sort of obligation to praise something or whatever, you know, we can be honest about it. We have no obligations with manufacturers or anything like that. So it's, it's a pretty warts and all and raw sort of look at things. Um, and, and hopefully we can keep going the way we are. But but I've I've, I've been I've been thrilled. You know I really have been. And while we talk about your uh, love of motor cars, we should also talk about your love of motorbikes as well. And you've done some fantastic journeys over the time. And episode one has you uh, doing a ride with your son Ollie around New Zealand. But uh, what's your most your your most memorable ride that you've ever done, Glenn? I, uh, in fact, this series started from uh, about two years ago. Uh, Ollie and I went with another mate from Melbourne and a few others, and we rode from Nepal, Kathmandu, through uh, Nepal uh, into Tibet and around Tibet and then up to the Mount Everest base camp, wow. the north side. Uh, on the south side, you need to walk to it. On the north side, the Chinese build a road, as they do. Um, so we, we rode up to Mount Everest and we were talking with some mates out of New Zealand who, who actually this, this ride in New Zealand is with a group called Planet Chopper and uh, they formulated their company from that trip and uh, this show kind of emulated from that trip because we're talking about things to do and, and what we'd like to do and 
the reason I was doing that trip, well, last year I uh, also rode up through the um, Kashmir area, except the Indian Army wouldn't let us in there again through the Himalayas up around India. And, and my attitude there was a case of mentally you can think of things and people say, well, I want to have my mind more than anything else. I kind of have the attitude when your body gives up, there's a lot of stuff you can't do. So it's almost like a case of ticking the boxes. I thought, gosh, I'm getting getting close to the end of the, the body doing what it used to do. And I wanted to make sure I did a lot of those things. So that's where the Everest ride came from. Um, that's where the Himalaya one in, into India did as well. We, we also rode down through to New Orleans. Uh, and I did that um, through the deep south of, uh, of America on on choppers and, and cut bikes. And uh, we also did this one in New Zealand recently. So I'm, I'm kind of keen to make sure I can do a heap of those rides, Shebex, while physically I can still do it, you know, and uh, I'm loving it. I, I really am. And the, and the bikes and the machinery now, for example, when we went up through through both India and also through to, uh, to Everest, uh, the Royal Enfields are a Himalayan, they call them. Well, I called them Himalayan, but anyhow. Um, but but yeah, by the time they had the ABS and uh, they're, they're great little bikes for that environment, the equipment machinery you can hop on now is quite incredible and uh, you can get to some uh, wonderful places. But but certainly having having a, uh, I forget what it was, it was, a, it was a ginger tea with a lot of scotch in it, watching the sun go down on Everest over a, a little campfire was probably one of the most memorable places for me. Yeah, beautiful stuff. Uh, Glenn, thank you so much for your time today. Really do appreciate it. So looking forward to seeing uh, this series coming to life on Seven Mate right around Australia. It's called Garage 41, and your host, Glenn Ridge, will uh, be with you every Wednesday and Saturdays at Glenn? That's correct. Saturdays at three and Wednesdays at three played at five in the uh, in the evening but can, uh, to you guys too thank you very much and i don't know whether many people have said this to you but the contribution which you guys give to motorsport over the years and still continue to do is fantastic keep up the good work fellas it's uh, always good catching up thank you mate it certainly is uh glenn ridge joining us right here on the grid All right, Krause, let's welcome in to the chat uh, for the final segment of the night, Dale Rogers from theracetalk.com. Hello, Dale. Hey, Shebex. Krause, how are you? Uh, mate, we're excellent. Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, nice of you to join us. You're mastering some new technology this week, Dale, which is a, a very big thing for you, we understand. I'm absolutely thrilled. Not only have I been able to install something on my computer, but I'm actually looking at you guys as well with Zoom. So as far as I'm concerned, Zoom is number one. Well, it's got us up and running, which is fantastic and gives us a chance to have a chat about what's been happening in the week of motorsport. And we go back to the round one of the BP Supercars All-Star E-Series. And what an amazing start for that uh, category round one. We had a chance to speak to Nathan Prendergast earlier, Dale, and the way it was put together, the feel of it, you just felt like you were watching and involved in a supercar race. Oh, for sure, Tony. And then the, the litmus test for me was um, uh, my kids came into the room and said, I didn't think racing was on, Dad. Um, and I said, that's a computer-generated thing. And they just stood there saying, wow, that's extraordinary. So I loved it. I, I, um, I thought the, the racing was great. Yeah, look, there's a bit of biff and barge, but... I hope there will be because, yes, it's serious, but it's also great entertainment at a time when, you know, we're the sport that's providing entertainment. A lot of sports can't do it. So I thought it was a great start, an extraordinary start, and, uh, and I'm sure that we'll touch on it, but uh, this week's uh, this week's race with Max Verstappen is uh, something pretty special as well. I, I loved it, Shebex. So I thought it was two hours of entertainment that the motor racing community in this part of the world desperately needed. Um, I, I haven't laughed that hard in a month, seriously, and, and that's not an exaggeration. It was just so good. might have been the half a bottle of um, very decent Barossa Valley Shiraz I was drinking at the time, but it was um, it was just tremendous. It, was, it felt like you were watching supercars on TV. Because yeah. you had Jesse Yates hosting, and as Nath touched on in the show earlier on, Neil Crompton commentating it. He's the voice of supercar racing. If he's calling it, it sounds like a supercar race. Matt White 
the drivers put so much effort in. Um, just all the scenarios around it worked for me. And, and they'll improve on the product, the direction, um, the output on what they're actually producing will get better and better as they get more experience with it. So I thought it was tremendous, loved it. And if we've got that to look forward to over the next nine weeks now, then that is tremendous. And hopefully at the very end of that nine weeks, we can push the button and go back onto car racing properly. But uh, loved it, mate. Thought it was great. And um, it was the tonic that the world needed, at least for me, um, to just get the, the motor racing vibes back and forget about life for a while and enjoy some proper car racing. And it was in the end. It's quite funny, Joel, because I've got an exact same story to what you had. My wife allowed me to watch it because it was supercars. And then uh, 15 minutes in, I said to her, I said, this is just amazing, isn't it, considering they're all sitting at home doing it on their simulators. She said, what? She said, isn't this real racing? I said, no. She said, what are we watching it for? I said, oh, so I had to explain all that to her. But no, I totally agree. Uh, ratings also, Richard, were amazingly high for the, uh, for the series. Yeah, and Nathan touched on that earlier. Nathan Prendergast, the, the general manager of media and content for the series, and um, average 70,000 on Fox Sports over the duration, which is how it's rated in the rankings, easily the highest rated sports product in three weeks now in Australian TV. Um, more than 250,000 live viewers on social media, and that number's only going to grow because there are so many ways to watch this product, Facebook Live, the various Twitch streams that the drivers are using. Um, Scott McLaughlin's in particular is outstanding. He's got several, he's got a foot cam set up. You can watch his feet work on the, on the simulator pedals. It's terrific. Um, and, and it's only going to grow from there. And it's had half a million odd views since then on their Facebook page as well. So um, enormous numbers, very, very terrific. And for context, um, I read an interesting article on, racer.com the american site and they went and charted the ratings for the nascar e-series stuff that was shown on fox on fs1 and the indycar race uh, that scott mclaughlin won that was shown on nbcsn the cable sports network nbc have got and they've generally walked out worked out on average that about 40 percent of their normal motorsport audience have been watching these e-series races so it's about 40 percent of the average rating so if the average rating is a million it's about four hundred thousand. well the aussie numbers are actually larger than that it was closer to 50 percent of the average supercar race audience watched the e-series stuff so the demand for it here is clearly high and um 70 on fox is higher than any supercar practice session in the last 12 months including bathurst um, and up there with some of the Saturday races on Fox Sports only in 2019. So it's a meaningful number. What does that mean? It means that if you're a brand like Truck Assist who are involved with the show, you can go to your bosses, you can go to all your partners and go, look, we're giving you something. We're actually got legitimate TV numbers that are seeing your branding on the car and engaging with it. So it's a valuable tool for, for sponsors as much as it is for the drivers to have a bit of a giggle. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, I think, Richard, that's absolutely right. The, uh, the importance of the sponsors back in this, we've spoken about before, but uh, all cars in full livery, uh, the graphics were sensational. It certainly looked like it was real racing. A couple of questions I would pose to you. One is, has Rick Kelly's car returned to Earth or is it still orbiting somewhere with the space uh, station? Um, but also it's interesting when you look at the vast array of uh, sim setups that the drivers are using. I mean, some have gone to the extent with, you know, full full um, pedal kits, pressure on brake, uh, and some are using some pretty basic setups. I thought the one that really stood out for me, though, and it, it wasn't in the supercar series, it was in um, one of the series of playing overseas, was Jacques Villeneuve, who actually won a race on a uh, PlayStation handpiece. So um, it's extraordinary what's uh, what we're seeing around the world. And Series after series after series are adopting it. Uh, you know, I think we've all looked at, at many of them along the way. The NASCAR one we've spoken about, as we have F1. But realistically, this one stacks up as, I think, probably the best one that, that of any of the series have produced so far. Yeah, it, it really did lead the field. It's worth touching on that as well, Dale, that um, the home rig setups were fantastic. And with that, we can seg nicely, gents, into the Race Talk Power Rankings powered by Yellow Cover. Um, yes, we've got a sponsor for the power rankings. It's the best thing that's ever happened. Um, and we are running throughout this, the full hot, not, and what list of 
after every E-Series round. So it might be worth just breaking down some of the hot and some of the not. So hot, obviously, Scott McLaughlin. This guy is a force of nature, wins IndyCar E-Series races, wins Supercar E-Series races. Uh, on the podium at Michigan in his first oval IndyCar race on the weekend, which was terrific. Can I just add um, to that? Can, is yeah. he the best racer in the world at the moment? Oh, wow. Oh, Shebeki, it's, it's so like you just to go right out with the big call like that. Well, do we find he out... He could be week? the best racer in the world at the moment. Well, well do we find be. out this week when Max Verstappen, who is an acknowledged gun <laughs> in e-racing, will join in round two of the series? Um, some of the other hots we liked, we touched on the broadcast we heard from Nathan Prendergast earlier on. A-class effort, fantastic stuff. And and anything, Neil Cropton getting energised about his simulator race gets me fired up about it. So that's yeah. brilliant. It was genuinely competitive. Boys, Anton Di Pasquale, who got penalised for tapping Jack LeBrock, our driver, he out of the lead boy. of race two, was absolutely furious. And yeah, it wasn't faux furious. He was properly fired up. Boys, I loved that. I thought that was great. Yeah. And I, and I want to see the cameras in with the stewards during normal racing now when that comes back. I want to see a, a, a reason given to camera there and then as to why something may have happened. I, I think that's – Craig Baird just needs to be on camera all the time now. Well, Dale, wasn't that terrific having Craig Baird running the role of driver's Yeah, well, as Richard said, we've got a number of weeks of this to – to run through, and uh, uh, if they do go down this path of you know of Max Verstappen, and just spice it up every now and again with another driver, another car, the the, the livery on uh, Verstappen's car looks sensational. If they keep spicing this up, not only do you have the competitive nature that uh, that Richard's spoken of, um, and Beto doing his thing, but you're also going to have this sort of bizarre wild card, which is not like a wild card we're used to. This is a serious wild card. This is something that we've just not even contemplated. Well, boy, I will put money on it right now, and I don't do that, as you know. If you no, don't no. gamble, I will put money that Dale Junior will be a wild card at some point. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm, I'm convinced. He cameoed in the IndyCar race at Michigan on the weekend, and McLaughlin actually passed him two laps to go. And uh, watching Scotty's Twitter feedback was Twitch feedback. He was like, "I can't believe I just passed Dale Junior. That's the best thing ever." So the, um, nec- the next round is at Bathurst, isn't it? No, the next E-Series round, Wednesday. This oh, sorry, week. not this week. The, the one following this week yes, is at Bathurst. Yes, Bathurst following week. Yeah, yeah, Wednesday week. Yeah. Oh, boy, that'll be one to watch. That'll be good. Um, just some other, some other hots. So the back channel banter was terrific. There's a video on the racetalk.com that Tickford posted um, of their drivers tearing each other up. It's very, very funny. Um, the ways you could watch it was a hot for us. The live race control, absolutely a hot for us. Yeah. It was genuine entertainment. It was just the right mix between a sporting product, and I'm using air quotes, um, and being a couple of hours of entertaining television. I I loved it. I think what we need to do here is give our listeners a little bit of a secret. Normally on the race talk when we do our hot not and what, Mm. normally just things start flowing and there's no issues. I was concerned though, but I wasn't really to the fact when you posted on our little message service, I'm struggling to find knots to put in for this week. Yeah. And there generally weren't any in any of the racing around to find. Yeah, no, I, I battled, genuinely battled. And, and Mark Walker, part of our team, was the same. And I know yeah. you blokes did as well because it was just so much to like. Having said that, the uh, relentless crucible that is the power rankings will always have always some find knots. something. Um, so we'll work our way, work our way down. Um, I, I, some of the, some of the similarities, boys, were a bit too serious and a bit too real, weren't they? Um, some of the yep. teams at the back of the field in real life, turns out they were there in virtual world as well, Dale. Yes, it was uh, quite amazing to see the red Coca-Cola car um, it, 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 every race uh, doing some bizarre things, particularly at uh, Monza we saw afterwards where he, he entered into a sort of a pirouette uh, dancing with the stars routine with Cam Waters leaving the pit lane, yeah. which is pretty exciting. So... Uh, yeah, it was it was fascinating, it was it? That, and you know, you saw McLaughlin charge through the field, albeit with uh, with not a lot of petrol left. So yeah, the only one that I guess that perhaps um, got pants up or dusted up a little bit was Van Gisbergen, who I think everyone thought would have been right up uh, with it, but had a had a shocker. But he had a shocker for a number of reasons. He got punted from uh, from here to to the North Pole, but also uh, 
uh, didn't qualify well. So again, wasn't his, it, wasn't his equipment, Dale? It wasn't his equipment. He was just using some banged up stuff at home in New Zealand. Oh well, it, it, yeah, but Jill Villeneuve, uh, yeah, uh, sorry, Jacques Villeneuve um, uses a bloody hand PlayStation. But maybe so that's what no excuse anymore for that. Maybe that's what he's used to. <laughs> maybe that's what he's used to. Uh, maybe the competition in whatever Jack is running in isn't as competitive as the Supercars A series. Yeah, that's, too, more, too that's probably more of the point. The Good other point. one we have to bring up, and the moment I heard the boys in the broadcast say it, I knew that social media would destroy itself over this because it's the number one social media hate for supercars, and it's those two words, time certainty. Oh, yeah. And the final race at Monza did run a little bit long because of all the drama, and it was trimmed a lap. And we do have to realise that it's, it's a live TV broadcast. There's a window to get in. Shebex, though, yeah. serious, seriously, no. seriously. Oh, you, because we commentate Carrera Cup, on a regular basis, we're used to time certain races yeah. and I hate it. I hate it. As soon as I hear coming into my ear, this is the last lap boys. And i look at the screen and it's lap seven of 10. I think, what the hell? I hate time certain well, races. But it, you, you understand it in the real world because there are so many commitments that need to get away and Correct. Broad, broadcast schedules are, are very, very finite. And I can understand it in the real world. I cannot understand it in the virtual world. No, cannot. Not- Aside for the point that, A, the internet doesn't have a time limit, as people who listen to this show know, because we just ramble on incoherently. And two, there's no other sport on Fox Sports 506. So you can <laughs> run it for 12 hours, as far as I'm concerned. Doesn't matter. Send it. Anyway, it's a, no, it's a minor, it's a minor gripe. It's a minor yeah. gripe. The, the thing, boys, that I would like to bring up that really did grind my gears somewhat was the haters. And they were, they were legit and quite serious because there were people on the internet that, oh, I'm not watching, that's rubbish, it's not real racing. No, it's not. No one's pretending that it's real racing. But at the same time, you take a professional approach to this because there are stakes on the line, as we touched on with um, the sponsorship side of things and the legitimate opportunity to expose our sport. So... I don't get people online blowing up about it. I don't get people saying, oh, it's rubbish. I refuse to watch. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Don't comment. That's fine. I don't care. Um, they were the same don't... people. They were the same people that cost the Channel 7 deal with supercars because they were the people that complained so much when 7 was putting motor racing or supercars on 7 Mate, their HD channel. It was the only place in the world where you could watch HD motor racing yeah. was on 7 Mate. And people were complaining about that. Yeah. Just live with it. Just don't be negative. Don't be idiots. Seriously. It's not that hard. They were also the people that um, that were posting post after post after post on the weekend about almost how they, Sterling Moss was their next door neighbour. Um, you know, it's, it's full of rubbish, isn't it, really? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, We got on with that. And then, so that was the the power rankings. And the only what that we could find was Rick Kelly's crash. Um, Because, Rick, if you haven't seen it, it, it's had billions of views online. Head to to the Supercast channel and it's on the racetalk.com as well. We've got screen caps of it. Uh, Basically, you've never seen a supercar launch so high into the air. Um, And uh, as Nathan told us earlier in the show, Dale, um, Rick has released himself from e-hospital. Um, and he'll be good to go for the, uh, for the next <laughs> round. He's actually given his full sim rig. He's, he's got sponsored by LG, so he's got four massive LED televisions surrounding him now, so he can see his crash in Ultra HD next time he ends up aerial, which is brilliant. They're calling the crash, Dale, the Calicopter. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that if he was actually still in a hospital over the next couple of weeks, that Kramer might have to drive for him because he yeah. was... He was loud and proud in the in the garage with a big picture of him. So just amazing. Yeah, it? No, it, it was genuine entertainment, boys. I, I think we all agree with that. Yeah. And um, and and slightly competitive racing as well, which is what we want. A terrific mix, full marks, and we'll we'll continue to track it as the uh, as the series goes on. Yeah, we certainly will. Now, Richard, uh, as the mayor of South Australia, I think it's only right that we hand over to you to give a little bit of a a tribute to the first two years of Tail and Bend. Yeah, and we're working on getting Sam Shahin from the Bend Motorsport Park on the show. So uh, as we record this on uh, whatever day it is today. Tuesday night. Isn't it funny how you lose track of what you day do. it is during this uh, lockdown period we're all in. Um, 
yeah, the Ben celebrated the, the second anniversary of its first ever car race, which was terrific at a Shannon's Round. Two years ago, um, it's a big milestone, and we're going to get Sam on the show within the next couple of weeks to talk about that. But it's actually real motor racing news we need to talk about there as well because the Asian Le Mans series, as we recorded the show last week, um, came out with the fact that the Bend wasn't on their 2020-2021 calendar, so 2021, um, that runs over the summer. A couple of reasons for that. Um, the, the travel logistics are one and the timeline in getting the cars and everything here. Air freight is ridiculously expensive to this part of the world, so sea freight is the way to go. Um, and the timeline with that isn't it isn't working for them. And Chinese New Year is actually earlier in 21 than it was this year, so they've had to um, had to condense their calendar a little bit. And plus, with all the uncertainties going around with the coronavirus at the moment, we just don't know where things are at. So the Ben takes uh, a year off from that, but. Um, they were very clear in their statements to the media boys that they were keen to return. And um, I was there. It was a terrific race meeting. My understanding is that it was actually reasonably successful from a business point of view for everyone involved. Um, so the promoter got something out of it. Their series got something out of it. And there were some wins to be had. So that was terrific. We'll talk to Sam about that in coming weeks. But um, it, I'm actually quite disappointed that it's not on the calendar because I, I really enjoyed it from a race meeting point of view. And more international motorsport in this part of the world, the better. So um, worthwhile, love it, and uh, hopefully it's back in the future. But worth touching on, and uh, well done to the Bend on the second birthday, and we'll talk to Dr. Sam in a couple of weeks and uh, find out how that and many other things are going in his world. Look forward to it. And uh, the people listening at the moment can't see our little pictures on our Zoom podcast here, but I have a uh, photo of a Norm Beachy car sitting behind me as my backdrop. And the reason I have that there is to uh, congratulate you, Dale, on what promises to be a spectacular read on the race talk uh, over the next uh, couple of days. Yeah, thanks, Tony. We we started this uh, research off of Norm's cars and it really struck a chord because over five years, Norm basically developed and built a car every year, not a car of the same thing as we see these days, a completely new ground-up build. Um, I was very fortunate enough uh, for Norm to look at the article and then we spoke, he rang me, we spoke on the phone at length, which was great because he, he doesn't do a lot of uh, media interviews. He gave us some great insights um, and corrected a lot of myths, which was fantastic. Uh, and with the help of Stephen Stockdale from SS Auto and Video, we've got some some classic photos of Beachy. Uh, he was just fantastic, so I, I can't thank him enough. Uh, it's something he doesn't do very often, but... Uh, uh, just just in, in context, uh, in some years, these guys would race 30 times a year. Uh, one one with one uh, year, uh, Norm took the, uh, the Nova from Calder to the following weekend. He was in Perth um, with a crew of about three or four guys. So if you look at that in context of what we do now, it's extraordinary. So um, it's brilliant uh, story. Really, really proud of being able to one of the things which was fantastic was his absolute respect for Pete Gagan. So hard. So it was one of the great stories of the era. So, yeah, I'm really, really pleased we're able to get off the line and it's up on the race talk uh, now and uh, we've missed a bit about Norm's great career. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Dale, did you see him race live? I, I, we don't touch on age too much on this show, but you're older than I am and I never saw him. So uh, did, did you watch him live? Yeah, I, I saw all the cars in the story I actually did see live. Um, and there's a terrible story about uh, the Chevy Nova, uh, which I actually, as a kid, was a uh, passenger in the uh, passenger seat as Graham Moore drove it from the shell tent to the garage. So, yeah, it's it, it's a car that's very special to me. Um, and it was uh, just brilliant. It was through a connection through school who, with the shell organisation. His father was the manager of the shell racing team at the time. So... Yeah, so yes, I did see every one of the cars, so it, it holds a special place to me. But it also meant that I could I could talk with the backstories are quite amazing. They're really quite cool. I, I, I'll be honest, Shebex, I didn't actually know an enormous amount about the Nova that Norm mm. raced. Um, for those listening internationally, Storm and Norman was his nickname, which probably gives you a bit of an idea about his driving style. But um, 
there, there's an amazing clipping from a, a magazine of the time, a Shell ad who are a massive backer of Norm, um, talking about Norm running this Nova at Calder Park, a track where he was utterly dominant, as the story goes into. And um, it, it's quite good, but I, I love it. One of my favourite quotes in the whole thing was that uh, the article reads, on larger tracks, such as Bathurst, the car will nudge 160. Now, this is imperial, so it's miles, miles per hour. Yeah. At which Norm casually comments, it's fairly lively. Now, I would have reckoned a Chevy Nova would have been pretty lively at about 50 mile an hour, let alone <laughs> 150 uh, down Conrad Strait at Mount Panorama. The other thing that we pull out of this, and um, the, the economy of motor cars is, is a talking point these days, but it was then as well, because um, the Nova burnt fuel at a rate of 2.7 miles to the gallon. Uh, so not quite Jeez. your family hatchback the 5.3 litre V8 at 7,000 RPM, but just amazing stuff. It's an awesome yarn. Um, lovely work by you, Dale. And the photos, as you said, that go with it are just extraordinary. And the stuff for the, um, the HK and the HT Monaros, which are some of my favourite race cars ever, are just extraordinary. So uh, check it out. It's one of the great Aussie racing heroes. If you're listening online uh, or listening through RS1 on the radio show limited network, it's worth a read because it's a cool piece of Australian motor racing history. And, You'll learn a lot from this yarn and some of the cars that are part of the fabric of our sport here. It's a really important part of our history. Well done, Dale. And well done, Richard. Another great show done and dusted, boys. Thanks for your company again this week. Thanks, Shebex. Uh, looking forward to seeing young Maxi Verstappen tear things up in the E-Series and we'll debrief it all again next week. Uh, some more special guests and uh, some more Corona content uh, as we continue to work in lockdown. I've got to say, Dale, like your office, you've got some racing helmets going on there. We, we might do some merch in coming weeks. Now we've got the capacity to do video as well. I reckon we might we might do a merch segment on, on mm. the grid and, and just what, what, right. uh, what little things have we got tucked away in our various uh, man caves. I look forward to that. I'll drag some stuff out. Beautiful stuff. Richard Quayle and Dale Rogers joining us here for another episode of On The Grid. We look forward to catching you again next week. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.